1: Welcome everybody to Right On Radio. It is Sunday and we are blessed to be here with you. Thank you for joining us, of course. Uh, Just in the comments, uh, in the chat, are you enjoying the study on the book of Acts so far? Uh, Should we keep going? I think the answer is already yes. In fact, I've made up my mind. We're going to keep going. Jesse, good morning to you.
2: Good morning, good morning. And of course, we're going to keep going. We have to finish this book it's going to be spectacular
1: yeah and i believe the lord has called us to do this this morning so let's just open up in a word of prayer abba father we come before you on this glorious day that you have made god most high we are so thankful for all the things in our lives lord we're actually thankful for the tumultuous times that you've given us in this day lord We think of the persecution of your church, and we see your first martyr today. And Lord, not that we celebrate martyrdom. We wish that none would perish, that all would stay in the fight. But Father, we look at the result of what happened because of Stephen's death. We look at the depth of his prayer this morning, Lord. Lord, let your word go forth and sink into each one of us, Lord, that we may be able to be defenders of the faith in the way that Stephen was. This is truly one of the greatest preachers, Father. So we give you thanks. We give you thanks for everyone that is here. Lord, we we pray that your word goes into them and into their very being, Father God, that they'll actually feel the manifestation of the word alive inside of them as your Holy Spirit infills. We ask for the Holy Spirit to come and to do the work of the Father in our lives, Lord. We give permission. As we worship you, we give you praise, Father God. We continue to ask that you expand our tent, that you find us trustworthy in your eyes, that we will steward uh, this platform you've given to us, that we will steward uh, the, the monetary uh, results of this, Lord, that we'll steward every single person that you've given to us, Lord, in the best way that we know possible. And Father, we pray that each individual will steward their temples as well, Lord, and myself included. I count myself as one who has not respected my temple. And I, Lord, I pray to change my in that father, I do repent and every day I pray I get better and closer to you and will respect the things that you've given me even greater through your revelation of your word. Father, we pray for the health of everyone that is here in the audience. We pray for those around them, Lord. Open their eyes. Reveal yourself even through each one that is here, Lord. May you add to their numbers as well, their family, their friends, their loved ones. Even dispatch them to the strangers, Lord, where you've set up divine appointments. We pray, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the uh, the temple thing, Jesse, um, watching Dewey last night, I was heavily convicted. Mm. <laughs> um, love, love your neighbor as yourself. And I never really thought of loving myself. And I see this as being a big problem in society today. And that message last night was so inspiring. It's so s- simple. Uh, and it's the simple truths that are easily actionable in our lives. And if you didn't catch the Saturday night sermon, please go back and, uh, and watch it short. It's only about 25, 30 minutes most. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, the Lord has really blessed us with some very talented people. Uh, obviously Dewey has been a pastor for over 30 years. Um, uh, he technically retired, but as he says, pastors never retire and, uh, And we've got Eric, who, uh, you know, certainly has the heart of a pastor and and really has been pastoring in many ways to our audience in the chats. He's very thorough, very uh, clear and concise. We've got Pastor Brian now. And and of course, that's not without mentioning, uh, watching while Beulah, who just did such a beautiful job on Ephesians. And uh, we're going to We're going to talk Beulah into coming back. (laughs) Mark my words. Jesse. I can be persuasive at times.
2: (laughs) Yes, I don't think you'll have to work too hard, Jeff. She's an amazing lady. And I believe the Lord just gives her words that she then comes forward with. So I have a feeling the Lord's going to be bringing her back pretty quick here.
1: And, well, quite honestly, she is defenseless against our
2: prayers. (laughs) (laughs) So funny.
1: All right. Well, let's get into the word. And just before we read the word, I want to set it up a little bit as a reminder of of chapter six at the very end. uh, You know, Stephen is is preaching and no one could argue with him he's a young man he's gifted he's knowledgeable he's anointed and they throw charges against him because when you can't argue the message you attack the person and uh, we see that happening today by the way uh you know uh you try to argue facts and then they they say racist (laughs) you know it's uh it's it's the same old thing but uh, what they say is this man does not, speaking against this holy place and the law, so, you know, against the temple, we've heard him say that this Nazarene Jesus will destroy the place and change the custom, so now he's attacking the temple, they're claiming, he attacks, uh, they say he's attacking Moses's law that he handed down to him, you know, so it's a multifaceted thing, and
0: yet they say, Oh,
2: Jeff, your mic.
0: Face
1: shine happening. I pray. There we go. We're back. I hope we didn't disappear. So, Jesse, why don't you start off with Stephen's defense, Acts 7.
2: All right. Then the high priest asked Stephen, Are these charges true? To this he replied, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land that I will show you. So he left the land of the Chalidians and settled in Haran. After the death of his father, God sent him to this land where you are now living. He gave him no inheritance here, not even enough ground to set his foot on. But God promised him that he and his descendants after him would possess the land, even though at that time Abraham had no child. God spoke to him in this way. For 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, God said, and afterward they will come out in that country and worship me in this place. Then he gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision, and Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him eight days after his birth. Later, Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob became the father of the 12 patriarchs. Because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave to Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So Pharaoh made him ruler over Egypt and all his palace. Then a famine struck all Egypt and Canaan, bringing great suffering, and our ancestors could not find food. When Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent our forefathers on their first visit. On their second visit, Joseph told his brothers who he was, and Joseph learned about uh, or in Pharaoh learned about Joseph's family. After this, Joseph sent for his father, Jacob and his whole family, 75 and all. Then Jacob went down to Egypt where he and our ancestors died. Their bodies were brought back to Shechem and placed in the tomb that Abraham had bought from the sons of Hamar at Shechem for a certain sum of money. At this time, or as time drew near for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of people in Egypt had greatly increased. Then a new king to whom Joseph never meant anything came to power in Egypt. He dealt treacherously with the people and oppressed our ancestors by forcing them to throw out their newborn babies so that they would die. At that time, Moses was born and he was no ordinary child For three months he was cared for by his family. Then he was placed outside. Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action.
1: But when he was approaching the age of 40, it entered his mind to visit the countrymen, the sons of Israel. And when he saw one of them being treated unjustly, he defended and took vengeance for the oppressed man by fatally striking the Egyptian. And he thought that his brothers understood that God was granting them deliverance through him, but they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were fighting each other, and he tried to reconcile them to peace by saying, Men, you are brothers. Why are you injuring each other? But the one who was injuring his neighbor pushed him away, saying, Who made you ruler and judge over us? You do not intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday, do you? At this remark, Moses fled and became a stranger in the land of Midian, where he fathered two sons. After 40 years, he passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in the flame of a burning thorn bush. When Moses saw it, he was astonished at the sight, and he approached it to look more closely. And the voice of the Lord came, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Moses shook with fear and did not dare to look closely. But the Lord said to him, remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their groaning, and I've come down to rescue them. And now, come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom they disown, saying, who made you ruler and judge, is whom God sent to be a ruler and a deliverer with the help of an angel who appeared to him in the thorn bush. The man led out, performing wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. This is the Moses who said, the sons of Israel, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your countrymen. This is the one who was in the assembly in the wilderness together with the angel who spoke to him at length at Mount Sinai, and who was with our fathers, and he received living words to pass on to you. Our fathers were unwilling to be obedient to him, and on the contrary, they rejected him and turned back to Egypt and in their hearts, saying to Aaron, Make us a God who will go before us. For this Moses has led us out of the land of Egypt, and we do not know what happened to him. And at that time they made a calf and brought a sacrifice to the idol, and were rejoicing in the works of their hands. But God turned away and gave them over to serve the heavenly lights, As it is written in the book of prophets, you did not offer me victims and sacrifices for 40 years in the wilderness did you the house of israel you took along the tabernacle of moloch and the star of your god Rampha, the image of which you made to worship i also will depart uh, deport you from beyond babylon Our fathers had the tabernacle of the testimony in the wilderness, just as he spoke to Moses, directed him to make it according to the pattern in which he had seen. Our fathers, in turn, received it, and they also brought it in with Joshua upon dispossessing the nations that God drove out from our fathers until the time of David. David found favor in God's sight, and asked that he might find a dwelling place for the house of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. However, the most high does not dwell in houses made by human hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool of my feet. My, What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what place is there for my rest? Was it not my hand that made all of these things? You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears and always resisting the Holy Spirit, you are doing just as your father did. Which one of the prophets did to your father, which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one and now you have become the betrayers and murderers of him, you who received the law as ordained by angels and yet did not keep it. Now when they heard this, they were infuriated, and they began gnashing their teeth at him. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, looked intently into the heaven and saw the glory of God, and and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they shouted with loud voices and covered their ears and rushed at him with one mind. When they had driven out of the city, they began stoning him, and the witnesses laid aside their cloaks at the feet of the young man named Saul. They were stoning Stephen as he called to the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. Wow. So, listen, they Mm -hmm. might have stoned Stephen to death, but he threw them a beating with this like th- that's yeah. just the utmost
2: beating brutal wow. it's it's coming so yep and this was some of uh this morning i woke with a uh, instructions and a revelation so it was interesting because the revelation is a little different but it falls right into line but we could just say it's more of the futuristic aspect of uh, what the Lord is saying to um, the church or those who have claimed to be the church and about his bride. So um, very powerful. And especially the last, I know we'll get there, but the very last part of his speech where he says, um, you know, Heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me? Says the Lord. Or will, where will my resting place be?
1: So. so do you want to give your dream at that point in time and we get there? Or do you want to disclose it now?
2: Yeah, well, first, uh, actually, it was revelation. I woke with the Lord speaking. Or revelation. So the first part, um, it It had to do uh, with the anointing and the Lord had said that the time has come that um, there have been those who have despised his bride and the work of his hands and they've disbelieved his glories. And he says, therefore he's about to release his splendor and his majesties and he will show forth all his glories. And I'm not a prophet, but I kept hearing um, that he will raise the temple in three days. So I'm going to put that out there because we know that our bodies are the temple and the Lord says three days in three days. And um, so the instructions kind of came uh, with some things that he was saying. First, he said that he's released the floodgates that have held back the Jordan River and the heavenlies. And if people know, you know, the Jordan River, it's all throughout the Old Testament. You know, many signs, miracles happen there, starting with Joshua. Um, That was the river that the priests, uh, as they carried the Ark of the Covenant through, you know, from the desert places um, into the land of Canaan, They had to cross that uh, cross the river, and the Lord parted the river just like He did the Red Sea. And in that river, He had the priests place twelve stones and build a um, altar for the Lord there in the middle of the river, and that was meant to represent um, His Spirit and His covenant with His people. So later in Elijah and Elisha's day. Uh, There's a Gentile man who uh, serves in the army. He hears about this prophet of God, Elijah or Elisha. And he ends up with leprosy and his name was Naaman. And so Naaman searches out the prophet of the Lord for healing. And the prophet tells him to go and dip himself seven times in that river. And then he will be healed. And at first he argues about the healing. And, uh, you know, it says this man of God didn't even come out to tell me to my face. I'm a general, you know, he has no respect. And now he's telling me to go dip myself in a river that's at flood stage. That's dirty, you know? (laughs) And, uh, so the servant says, you know, basically, but sir, what would you do for your healing? Like if this leads to your healing, would you not do it? And so Naaman does and ends up the Lord heals his leprosy. So when I woke this morning, that was the first thing the Lord said, I have released the floodgate holding back the Jordan River and the heavenlies. And then he said, no complications. I say there will be no complications. Therefore, those who need healing, bring out your oil and anoint yourself. Every morning until all the poison causing complications is gone from your body. You are to anoint yourself and proclaim what you believe. And then I heard the proclamations, you know, Lord, I believe you will heal me. I believe in my full restoration. I believe I shall have no complications. I bless your name for your mercies are new every morning. And the Lord said, continue every morning until every symptom ailing you is gone for I have released the floodgates holding back the river Jordan in the heavenlies. So that was the first one. The second one, I don't even know where to go in all of its fullness. Um, I'll just say what I was picking up a lot was the Lord's wrath that he's angry. And the way that he kind of gave the revelation was that, um, there were different people in the scenario. So the first one that you have, we're just going to call, you know, Proverbs 31 woman. And you have this woman who, you know, wants to be faithful to the Lord's work and she knows what she's supposed to do. And, you know, every day she, she goes, she takes inventory. She, you know, makes the product, she gets everything ready. She goes and serves at the gate, the city gate, and tries to set up a shop um but then she has some complications the first one is that like abigail um abigail was one of the wives of king david but before she was david's wife she was married to another man who was known as a nabal and nabal was a a cruel and wicked man every inclination of his heart was just selfish and uh you know, prideful to the point that, you know, when David and his army came through and, and as they stayed, you know, in the land outside, they would provide protection um, for the fields for those that they stayed in. And so even after all of that, you know, um, they needed some food and Nabal wouldn't even give anything. Um, He would give them nothing in return for their service. And uh, Abigail kind of went behind his back because she knew that David's army, um, you know, may take revenge if they gave nothing. So she went and brought the food and the cake and asked for forgiveness. And um, from that, shortly after that, the Lord, you know, uh, brought about the death of Nabal, releasing Abigail from that commitment. And David took her as his wife, um, but that was the first part. Was the Lord said, you know, my bride has works that she's supposed to do. You know, she's supposed to prepare clothing um, in in the marketplace. She's supposed to cover uh, those who are, you know, we'll say uh, the government officials, those of high renown, those who are farmers, those who are warriors. Like the bride makes the covering and the clothing for all of them, according to the Lord's speculations. But because of Nabal, the bride has not been able to do what her full job is to do. And the Lord kind of put it in images that, you know, I saw that the bride had a tent, but then the winds came and the rains came. And broke the tent covering that was over her clothing shop, and so everything was getting wet and drenched, and the bride, you know, was muddy and dirty, and nobody wanted to come and buy the clothing or put on the clothing because um, because of the bride's condition. And then I saw the second person enter the scene, and it was another shopkeeper. And he saw the estate of of the bride that, you know, she was uncovered and he, he had mercy on her and said, hey, let, you know, come into my, come into my shop. You know, you can set up with me and, uh, you know, we'll make it work. And so the bride came into his shop, but then he had all of these speculations, things that, you know, well, you have to stay over here and, you know, you can't be outright and advertise and, um, you know, so he put all these conditions on the bride in the way that she was meant to serve. And in that case as well, the Lord says, neither Nabal nor the man who had mercy have displayed the beauty of my bride. And uh, so with that, then comes the third person. And it was a woman who was a witch and she had also set up shop in the market. And, um, you know, nobody knew about her past that she had, um, you know, spent the past five years caring for her mother as she was dying and her elderly mother, you know, it was really a rough road. She was very sick and, you know, had lost things like her continence, all of that. So, You know, this woman had labored night and day, feeding her mom, you know, caring for her by hand, toileting her, um, you know, not getting sleep because she'd be up, you know, checking on her, changing her brief, uh, just tending to every need. And now she was in a position of having to try to sell soaps and homemade remedies to survive for herself as she went through the grief of the loss of her mother. And nobody knew that. And, um, you know, when the winds and the storm hit, her tent also was affected. But she was left in the rain. Nobody invited her in. Nobody took the time to get to know her. And, you know, finally, what I saw was that the Lord said to the bride, be the bride that I've made you to be. Go and care for your neighbor lift her up, build her up, display her beauty, as you do in that process. And um, it was all about the display, you know, and so I think that really fits in. When the Lord says, you know, what kind of temple will you build? We, we have to be multi focused in that we can't just focus on building our own temple. Because if we do that, Then we'll watch and see others' uh, beauty fade away and never get displayed as God intended it. We have to focus both on our own and our focus can't just be on us. We have to focus on how do we live in such a way that we are displaying the beauty of all those around us as God wants their beauty to be displayed. You know, what was the beauty that the Proverbs 31 woman had? You know, what does the scripture say? That she was known in the city gates, that she brought honor to her husband, that everything she said and did was for his renown, for the glory of his name. Um, So that was kind of where that went this morning.
1: you know what that does really tie in with all the things that have been coming out, uh, through the scriptures with us lately. And, you know, even back probably the last three Saturday night sermons, uh, and, and even in this, you know, with the rejection of God's anointed, which is the bride obviously. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. And look, we, we, are commanded to love God first and without loving God first really isn't possible to properly love your neighbor. Um, We can love our neighbor. We can have friendship. We can have fellowship as an unsaved person, but you really can't love them the way that God loves unless you have the infilling with the spirit and it is a commandment and uh, Jesse, I'm going to be changing the way we close our show from today forward
0: hmm.
1: because <laughs> I can make the message more focused. But let's uh, and, and thank you for sharing that, Jesse. That was that was a beautiful thing. Um, <laughs> I repent because when you're saying the tent blew over and all the clothes got dirty, I'm thinking, oh, good, I could buy it wholesale.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Wow, Jeff. <laughs> I'm speechless. <laughs> but at least you're honest about it, right? <laughs> I
1: would have treated the bride with the most respect and actually solved a lot of problems for her. It has to be a win-win situation, okay? I'm not a crook. I'm not a thief. I'm not uncompassionate. I would have bought all her inventory.
2: <laughs> <laughs> at a <good> price. <laughs> at a fair price,
1: yeah. right? Fair price. <laughs> uh, okay. Look, I I can't turn it off, folks. I'm sorry. <laughs> God has ingrained stewardship so deep within my soul, <laughs> you know. Uh, and this is this is what God has instructed us to do. These things, to be honest, and it's not to take advantage of a situation. Uh, far be it, uh, but to make. A bad situation. Yeah. But you don't do it at someone else's expense. All right. So let's, uh, so first of all, it, listen, this is a really long chapter. So we're not going to go uh, sentence by sentence, rather, uh, just do an overview. So, you know, think of the accusations that were thrown against him and Essentially, Stephen gives them a history lesson. So he's well adept in the scriptures, obviously. You know, he's quoting Genesis. He's quoting Exodus. He's quoting uh, Deuteronomy. He's, you know, he's going into the Psalms. He's 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 basically saying everything and telling them. Essentially what the message is, at least what I get out of it, Jesse, is he keeps reminding them. That you have never received someone the first time they came. You mm-hmm. didn't receive Moses the first time he came. You rejected him. And by the way, I love the fact mm-hmm. that Moses Moses lives in forty year cycles. Have you noticed that? It's that every forty <laughs> years, he gets a whole change. Um, but then, you know, they also uh, Joseph. He was rejected. And then he was accepted the second time. And then, of course, it's really pointing towards Jesus, which the entire Old Testament was pointing to. And I think that's the point of this speech, is that he is, uh, you know, pointing towards Christ. And you rejected Christ. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they're going to reject Stephen at this point in time as well. Uh, Jesse, what stands out to you in, in all of this?
2: Yeah, and no, I agree. You know, it's not just by accident that he brings up, you know, these we'll call them types of Christ. You know, he brings out Joshua, he brings out Joseph, he brings out Moses. He even shares, you know, how Moses, even though he, you know, was led, or it sounds like, you know, working along with an angel in the work that God had him to do, that even though they saw these miraculous things of God. They still refuse to enter into that relationship of trust with God. And, um, you know, some of the things that were interesting were, you know, in the stories, like I'm somebody who kind of brings out those word pictures, you know, that we know that the land of Chalidians were were those who worshipped, you know, Baal and Molech. And uh, God had called Abraham with a mighty hand out of that, out of that land. And, uh, you know, he, Stephen reminds them that, that when God called Abraham out, he didn't have a place to settle. He didn't, you know, it wasn't like God said, you know, here's your house and here's your land and here's your children who will be your descendants on it forever. He had none of that. Like he had to go forward with the promise without it being fulfilled and it wasn't until, you know, the end of his days that God started to bring about the fulfillment of that promise. Um, but, you know, in that, you know, the Lord had also prophesied that his descendants would go through this time of oppression, that they would be under the rule of somebody else. They would be held captive before they were free. And that's where Joseph's story comes in, you know. and. What his brothers meant for evil by selling him to Egypt, God meant for good. That was how God put him into Pharaoh's house, you know, and raised him up. And as the famine came, you know, Joseph was the one who the Lord had given wisdom, you know, on stewardship and stewarding the wheat during the good times. And that stewardship is what led to the salvation of all the nations that, you know, during that time. And, uh, you know, so the Lord purposely put people there in place. And then, you know, Moses also was brought up in the household of a Pharaoh yeah. and taken in. And, uh, you know, so we see kind of this same repeating pattern that, you know, that um, Israel has been purposely placed in this foreign land where they worship other gods. And, you know, with that, we also see their heart that they continually went back to that worship of idols and that trust in idols instead of in that trust in God. And God saying, if I'm God, if I'm the one on the throne, you know, I make these nations a footstool under my feet. You know, where does that put all these idols that you worship, that you elevate, that you cry out to in your oppression? And uh, You know, they can't seem to break that pattern, even even after they were circumcised, which, you know, what did that represent? You know, in Joshua 6, it tells us that, you know, the second time when God had Joshua bring those Israelites who had not been circumcised in the desert into that new land, they stopped at a place called Gilgal, which means to roll the reproach away. So if God ruled the reproach away, why was there still reproach in His house? <laughs> you know, it's because their hearts were not well, circumcised.
1: And, and essentially, that's what Stephen is accusing them of here. You're circumcised outwardly only. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's it's fake. And man, there, there's so much good stuff in here. Uh, and I really love that you brought out the parallel of uh, Moses and Joseph both being raised in Egypt. And, you know, one of the things I often think in one of my observations, Jesse is, you know, God kind of uses the foolish people of this world to confound the world. And, uh, and most of us by the world standards would be considered foolish. Uh, most of us would be considered weak where it's exactly the opposite. We're here, the wise ones, Uh, for choosing God and, uh, or him choosing us really, but us uh, making that free will choice. But the ones who have gone through the most persecution often have the most powerful testimonies. And those who have the most to be thankful for are the most thankful. And Mm -hmm. so that's one reason that I really support the ministry of bringing people out of the system. lot of the people in the system are not there by choice they're held captive they're born into it they've been lied to all their life and when they come out uh just as jesse it becomes a very powerful testimony and they have much to be thankful for for the first time in in their lives they feel bondages released from them and pain and suffering that comes with it as well and you know, it's funny because in this they mention essentially, you know, uh, devil worship, and I'll get to that in a second. But I just had one observation, and this this kind of goes back to the uh, the decode we did on uh, on Kanye and uh, Bieber and stuff like that. But when uh, you know, God says to Moses in front of the burning bush, you know, take off your sandals. Well, these guys are doing the opposite. They're putting on rubber boots.
2: (laughs) You know. Oh man, yeah, that brings me back for sure.
1: I can't unsee this stuff now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I've had that happen a few times where the Lord has had me take off my shoes or my socks. And let me tell you, when you're standing on holy ground, you know it. And you know you're not standing (laughs) once you yeah once you feel it, it's like you're you're on your knees, and uh <laughs> you know you are humbled. that is for sure
1: it It's almost like well, you know what it's like the, you were talking about they they were grounding, but honestly, uh it's been twice that I can recall uh, and both of them were were in churches, and the spirit of God was so it, it was. The air was electrified. Is probably the only way I could say it. It was electrified. Yeah. Like you could, you could feel the manifest presence of God. And uh, man, I love that feeling. I love that it, feeling. It's like I that feeling,
2: like right before a electrical or, you know, a thunderstorm with lightning. You get that magnetism in the air. And you're just like. Yeah. I don't know. There's just always that sense of fear and reverence and awe in those moments. Yes, there was.
1: Yeah. It, it's like, no, no, no. I, 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 gotta be, I gotta be right in this moment. <laughs> you know, you. I'm so I never really thought about it, but you're right. There was a fear at that time. And it right. was a righteous fear. Uh, it, it was right. knowing how big and how powerful God really
2: is. You know, wow. <laughs> wow. Um, So so so. Stephen in his speech, like was kind of like that moment, I'm sure for them where, you know, they're just feeling that shift in the air. They're feeling the power of God come into that moment and they know that storms following shortly behind, you know, and they're just like, we got to get rid of this guy before the storm comes and we get stuck in it. But
1: Yeah. And and listen, well, speaking of being caught in a storm, uh, being caught in the wilderness, the, uh, you know, God's people constantly rejected him and then they wandered without his provision, you know, (laughs) like, and, and they're begging to go back to Egypt, even though God was providing the necessities of them we prefer to be slaves. At least we knew, you know, it's like, it's been a repeating pattern over, over the time. And, uh, a couple other things I just wanted to bring out, you know, obviously the, the all the miracles God performed, but it goes into here and it talks about Moloch and Remph, and I thought it was odd, and maybe you have some insight on why or Rampha, uh, Moloch and the star of your God, Rampha. Uh, so I didn't know who Rampha was until I looked it up. Uh, we've covered Moloch, and mm-hmm. certainly at the time they were doing the sacrifices of uh, of babies to Moloch. Uh, they're still doing it today, by the way. Um, d- are you familiar
2: with Rompha? I believe he was he's one of the commanders under Moloch, along with uh, Marduk. So, and so, I so I believe well, it I was kind of like with the Ashtaroth scepters. Like, they usually would have a scepter with a crook uh, that twisted that would be the Ashtaroth scepter. But with Rafa, they would have a star on top of that scepter.
1: So, well, I'm glad you said the star because, uh, and and listen, I don't know if this is true or not. It's just what I found on the internet. Uh, So I'll just put that out there. But Rampha is the god of Saturn. Well, That's what I found. So that uh, sounds like, you know, Satan himself.
2: Hmm. Yeah, it's it'd be interesting to do a study to break down the word too, because you've got that beginning Hebrew word ref, which um, refidim uh, was the name of the kind of one of the transition places between the desert and uh, the land of Canaan. And it was kind of like this big alcove uh with you know massive cliffs and rocks. And there was no water in that place, but it was like kind of like a I would just say like a moon-shaped alcove of heavy-duty rocks. So you'd be very protected in there. And Refidim means, you know, place to rest or place to lay your head. So as Israel was coming out of the desert. The Lord wanted them to stop there for one night. And that was where, you know, it says that they literally became obstinate and complained. And we think, you know, that just means that they're saying bad things about the Lord. Like, you know, there's no water here. Did you lead us here to die? But that's not what it means. It literally means that when they put their foot down in obstinance, they were saying, you know, you brought us here to die. We're not going to follow you any longer, um, you know, and it uh, was a huge statement on their faith. And because of that, the Lord said to them, you know, you shall not enter my rest because they refused to rest for one night. And uh, so it's interesting that uh, Rafan, you know, kind of comes from that same beginning breakdown or root of that word, which means to lay your head down and rest.
1: That is interesting indeed. Ah, there's so much stuff we could do, Jesse. Yeah,
2: so much. <laughs>
1: there's so much. Um, so, you know, he, he basically attacks every single accusation and uh, is defending and apologizing. And one of the things that is a takeaway from this chapter uh, to me is he was able to defend when he was accused and this speaks to me of of apologetics it speaks to me of you know when it's one thing to say well i believe god is god because the bible's true or i believe god because you know i felt his presence or you know uh many might say i believe in god because of this or that but i think one thing that I've discovered in my life Jesse is it's always important to know your why why do i have faith in god why and yeah. and stephen is breaking that down and i just wonder how many of us if someone said well why do you believe in God would you be prepared for that uh would you slip up would you seem uncomfortable would you be looking up to far to the left to scan for ideas of what you would say. And you know, as we're coming into these days and the you know we're reading acts because we are being taught what we are going to be called to do. So if there's a homework assignment, I would say find your why and even practice it, Jesse.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So well, let it be kind of the I, root of your prayers put,
1: this week <laughs> because he loves me, uh, Bethany just put and that's a great answer, but uh, is that convincing to someone else? So
0: yeah.
1: make your why deep and there so at, here here's a little exercise to help you and and I'll just practice with Jesse here and I'm not going to go as deep as I normally do. But Jesse, just short answers because I don't want to beat this up too much. Jesse, why do you believe in God?
2: Because I've seen him.
1: And why have you seen him?
2: Because he revealed himself to me.
1: And why did he reveal himself to you?
2: Um, Well, because... uh, We'll just say bad people had threw me in a pit.
1: Right. And so we can keep going on. And why did bad people throw you in a pit? And And I'm telling you, just keep doing this and you will get to the core of your beliefs and your why. And that is where the power is when it comes from deep, deep inside Mm -hmm. of you. Okay. From the innermost hidden parts of your heart. When you can come up with your why, you'll change lives.
2: That was that a really change. good exercise, Jeff.
1: Thank you. Uh,
2: so, so next God. week we'll we'll call in someone else and see if uh, we can practice that a little bit.
1: Well, in fact, when we uh, when we announce the final date and the location. Uh, I will be doing this with certain people, but I have a—I'm not going to call them tricks, but let me just say I've—I uh, really think about this stuff a lot. <laughs> okay, <laughs> my my wife thinks I overanalyze absolutely everything, and I, I do. I, I cannot shut my brain off. <laughs> that is a gift and a curse at the same time. Uh, but I'm thankful for the way God made me. And uh, so just, right. a, just a couple other things, because it goes on to the, the temple. Um, and yeah, listen, I do. I wish God gave me a, you know, a little bit more uh, chiseled face or, you know, the different aspects. Look, you know, uh, none of us <laughs> are made perfect, uh, but we're perfect in his eyes, no matter what shape, right. size, hair color, skin color, God did not make a mistake when He made you. He made you a perfect temple, and that's where my personal conviction came up in the prayer. Uh, I need to steward my temple better, um, and 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 I'm just gonna say, starting tomorrow,
2: because <laughs> 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 I'm eating ribs. <laughs> <great. laughs> you and your barbecue. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, 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 I'm not gonna lie to the listeners because I'm not gonna lie, because the Lord knows. <laughs> like I've had I've had ribs right? on my mind for a while and it's it's nice out today.
2: Woo! <laughs> That's All great right. to know. Well, everybody's <laughs> gonna have a great Sunday today. And Jeff, do you I'll let you close us up today.
1: All right. Well, I'm gonna close with a couple quick announcements. The first one is, and uh, because Jesse's going away for a week, uh, I got to do it. Please go to My Liberty Stand if you haven't stopped giving your money to the cabal. Go to My Liberty Stand. And this is for North Americans only currently. Uh, we will be opening up other areas around the world, Singapore, Australia, and the UK for sure. It's going to be happening, uh, but there's some complications that we're working through uh, to do so. Uh, we're going to be making some changes, but look, it's all the stuff you already buy. In many cases, our prices are better. The quality is far better and you're helping to build Christian economy. Go to mylibertystand.com if you haven't. Uh, The other announcement is, Jesse, I'm going to be putting out some shows this week.
2: As long as you continue to do the work you need to do, Jeff. I'm saying that for your own good, man.
1: I have already started. But, you know, there's a couple really important things I want to get out. Um, none of which, is the least of. Uh, and I'm not really big into anniversaries, but it's around this time that I made the decision to put out the episode Synagogue of Satan. And. I want to rehash that. Uh, it kind of goes in line with, that, you know, essentially Stephen was calling them the synagogue of Satan. Yeah, and so I was. was really inspired and I have some new information and it's information that will help you fight uh, the evil cabal that is against us even in your prayer life. Uh, and it does speak of loving your neighbor. So no, it is not uh, against Jewish people. There's lots of great Jewish people. This is not a a condemnation of any one race. It's condemnation of those who serve Satan. And by the way, uh, there was a real clue in this. I wanted to point this out, uh, where, where they, after Stephen had concluded his preach or his history lesson, they were so angry, they were gnashing of teeth. I'm telling you, they were practicing for eternity because that's exactly what God says is going to happen yeah. to those who are doing it, who worship Satan, who worship Moloch. And, they're, and they do it purposefully. So uh, they were gnashing of teeth. I'm telling you, that was prophetic, uh, what he put in there. Uh, so I'm going to be putting out uh, some content this week. Uh, please keep us in your prayers. And Jesse, are you ready for the new ending? I am. I'm going to keep love your God, love your neighbor as yourself, and make a difference in your community.
2: (laughs) I like that change.